You heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. He's going to dribble it before he hands it off to Wigginton. Wigginton right back to Thanasis, who takes flight with a big two-hand slam. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. As the final horn sounds, we are done with the regular season here in 2022. On to the playoffs. Now, here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. Well, not a whole lot of good to come from this one. A few positives. We mentioned those on the uh, network. Bobby Portis. Another double-double tonight from Bobby. His 24th of the season. That is third most in the NBA and most on the Bucks. A.J. Green gave you a nice performance as well, but a lot of negative to come from this is the Bucks just embarrassed by the Charlotte Hornets on their home floor. And uh, as they welcome back four pieces to the rotation, you got Drew Holiday back after missing the game against the Raptors. You got George Hill back, and we saw him very, very late in this game, but George Hill back after missing the last few games with a non-COVID illness. Joe Ingles back. You missed him in the Toronto game Marjan Bochamp was on the injury report. He did play in this game and was impactful once again. But with Giannis, with Drew, with Brooke Lopez, with Joe Ingles, with Grayson Allen on the floor, this is a Charlotte Hornets team that entered play with the worst record in the Eastern Conference. And the Milwaukee Bucks lose by 29 points on their home floor to this Hornets team. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. And uh, we kind of had the conversation off the air a little bit of what do you take away from some of these performances? We went back to the game against the Memphis Grizzlies about a week before Christmas where the Bucks were also, frankly, run off the floor in a game against a very young, very athletic Memphis Grizzlies team that plays at an incredibly fast pace Charlotte Hornets did the same thing to the Bucks tonight. And after that Hornets game, on Bucks talk, on Bucks shoot-around, we have the same types of conversations. was talking about it with Dave Kane and a few others um, during that road trip of what do you take away from this performance? And the question was even asked to Coach Budenholzer after the game of, you know, when you lose like this, what do you do? Is this one of those burn-the-tape games? Is this one of those games where you do review the tape and you can find some things to improve on? We didn't really get a concrete answer, but it sounded like it was more of the former of we didn't play well, that team came out and dominated us, let's move on and make sure we don't do this again. With tonight's performance, this is not a burn-the-tape game. This is a game with tape that I think you need to learn from, that you need to address, and that you need to improve. This is not the sky is falling and I've heard a lot of people point to, man, the Bucks are just having these performances. How do you lose by nearly 30 points to the Charlotte Hornets? How do you look as bad as they did against the Memphis Grizzlies? How do you go almost 500, essentially 500 now, after that 9-0 start? And I would counter with this. I understand the frustration. I understand the inconsistency. And I understand that, frankly, a lot of it stems from the fact that we've seen this team win an NBA championship and that this is very uncommon 
under coach Mike Budenholzer. Since he arrived in Milwaukee, we just haven't seen a lot of losses like this. We haven't seen a lot of losing, period. You haven't seen a lot of consecutive losses. You haven't seen a lot of bad losses. You haven't seen a lot of losses. So the fact that this is uncommon is another thing that I think adds to it. But I would be much more concerned. I am not saying there is absolutely no reason to say, hey, there are some areas of concern and some things we need to improve here. But I would be much more concerned if it weren't for the fact that the Bucks are not the only team in the league doing this. The Boston Celtics, team with the best record in basketball, team that much like the Bucks, raced out to an incredible start, 18-4, and that the Celtics began the season. They're 27-12 and right now. Boston Celtics earlier this week, very, very similar game to this. Lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder by 30-plus points. And that was a Thunder team that was playing without the fourth-leading scorer in the NBA in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It was a healthy Celtics team. Think about the amount of games you've seen. The Los Angeles Clippers reintroduce players like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to the floor and lose like this, like they are right now. The Philadelphia 76ers played mediocre at best for the first couple of weeks of the season when they had Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. And the Brooklyn Nets, there's a lot more that went into that with Brooklyn, and they've made some changes to try to compound that, or to try and counter that, I should say. But the Brooklyn Nets, their first three to four weeks of the season, we've seen this from a lot of teams, and there's a number of reasons why it doesn't excuse it, but it's not unique to the Bucks. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Uh, let's start the show by heading out to the phone lines, and uh, I am sure he's going to have quite a bit to say after this performance tonight. We start in Port Washington, and welcome Dick to the program. Uh, you lead things off here on Bucks Talk. All right. Um, first of all, where's my buddy Justin from North Carolina? He's got a call in tonight. I need some soothing from him. I've got two points that uh, this is so bad for me, Justin. I made a post-it note so I wouldn't forget stuff. Okay, um, okay. You got the worst offense in the NBA versus second-best defense. You know the NBA gods smile and make things just incredibly fun for them. But the second point is, is that this is what's also wrong with the NBA. Uh, today I had a conversation with my buddy down the street about basketball. He's talking to me about college basketball, and I follow college basketball. But, you know, these are young kids. It, 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 it's just not the same. He said, well, you look, you know, I, I watched some of the Bucks games, but you know what? All they're doing is jockeying for position for postseason. How can you get excited for the regular season? I think the NBA's got a problem there. And the midseason tournament ain't going to help that at all. Okay, those are the points that that someone who cares about, you know, but here are the three points that really bother me. Okay. I watched and I, I listened to your bud comments after game. I watched the bud on TV. Okay. I've never seen bud go down after a victory. Now I don't have the exact quote, but he said, you know what? We came out and we didn't have NBA intensity. We didn't play like an NBA team. Now, that's not an exact quote, and maybe you've got the rest of it. To me, that's revealing as heck. There's something missing. You know, there's just something wrong. 
and, and then, you know, I, I follow all this stuff on, on Internet. And I, I know I don't believe all the stuff on the Internet. But, but there's been guys posting stuff that there's some conflict within the house in Milwaukee amongst the teams. And this sure to heck ain't going to help it. I don't know if you have any insight to that, but I'd like, I'd like your feel for that. And the last thing is uh, Middleton. Uh, what, what is going on? I mean, all these guys in my neighborhood know that I'm a big bucks guy in Middleton. You know, knee soreness just doesn't shoot it. He's going to go on the trip, what, to sit on the bench? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm frustrated as hell. Um, look, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't talk Sorry. you down. No, I can't talk you down from any of those points. I mean, you could sense the frustration and the almost throwing your hands in the air from Bud really from the onset of, we saw two very early timeouts because again, at one minute, just over a minute in the game, it was six to three. And then slowly, but surely started to see these runs that the Hornets were going on. And you look up at the scoreboard seven minutes later, and the Hornets are up 28. And that's just, as you pointed out, they're the worst offense in the league. They're, it's a bad offense. And I know we talked about this on the broadcast, but it's not as if this Hornets team is just chock full of shooters either, that you know, Terry Rozier can go off. But Terry Rozier is probably the most lethal shooter on this team. It doesn't make him a great shooter. There's a lot of guys you don't really have to worry about. And the most frustrating part was when you saw the shooting performance that the Bucks had, It they outshot the Hornets in the first half from three, and you look up at the scoreboard and think, well, we might have just had one of the few good shooting halves that we're about to have in the next couple of games with how streaky this team has been, and we're down 25 because this team just continues to have issues turning the ball over and live ball turnovers at that. And what the Hornets did on the glass, I mean, we kind of joked about it, but it really is remarkable that the Hornets essentially scored every time they got a turnover or an offensive rebound. You know, I I get all this. I get all this. Tonight's game, flush it down the toilet. It's not what my concern is. My concern is, let let me finish. My concern is the way Bud reacted after the game. He pretty much said, look, we, we, we didn't compete tonight, and, and, and it's something that's got to change. And I, I, Maybe I'm adding this, but correct me if I'm wrong. We have, he, I thought he said we didn't compete for the last several games. I mean, we, we, to win that game in Toronto was a miracle. Yeah. Miracle, you know? And, and you know, I, I'm a big Grayson Allen fan, but I'm starting to see some stuff from him that concerns me. That foul that gave them a tie game, what what the heck was that about? The Raptors I mean, game you're talking about? Some, yeah, the Raptors game. I mean, I'm sorry. I I, I, I mean, trade trade your buddy, uh, Nora. Don't trade Grayson, but someone's got to sit down with this guy and say, you can't keep doing this stuff. A poke in the groin? Come yeah. on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting real angry here. And my wife's in bed, so I get to be angry tonight because she can't tell me to shut up. Um, I mean, I so I'm, I'll start with this game first. I don't think this is a you, you ignore it and move on and you burn the tape type of game. There is some stuff to take away from this. And the biggest thing for me was if we go back to the first half, 
the Hornets were essentially gambling every single time the Bucks were swinging the ball. And Steve Clifford's a good coach. I think. Yeah, I think when you look at the teams that Steve Clifford has coached, he's probably not held in the same regard as some of the really good coaches in the league just for that reason, but he's a good coach. And this, to me, seemed like Steve Clifford and his staff spotted something early in their scouting for the Bucks and said, hey, this team is very sloppy and loose with the ball, and if we do this, we can take advantage of it. And that's another thing to keep an eye on on this road trip and really for the rest of the season until this team can get that under control is – They've had way too many turnovers, and it's way too many games that we talk about the Bucks digging themselves in this hole that they can't get out of, where you do go on these runs, but the margin was already 20, and it was just too much to come out of. That was basically every game played before Christmas against the Cavs, against the Nets, against the Celtics. Maybe you had a couple of spurts late, but it was, it was already over because of the hole you put yourself in in the first half, and that's what we saw tonight against a bad team. So... That number one is something that needs to be addressed. It it doesn't change with the addition of Chris Middleton. And that's not a knock on okay. Chris's no. ball handling skills, but no. it's the offense overall. There's nothing going to it right now. It has been for weeks. Giannis, please, please bail us out. Okay. 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 Clifford is known for a defensive scheme. Where was the scheme tonight? I didn't see a scheme. They didn't put up a wall against Giannis. They, they didn't need they, to. They, they, no, I know. But, I mean, so where was the defense tonight? This is this is a loss you can pin on the Bucks. Yeah. Now, granted, they shot over 50%, but where where was it? It, uh, it? Something was missing. The other night, losing a 21-point lead with three points with, with three minutes left, come on. I mean, that should not happen to a championship-caliber team. You, you eat them up. You eat him up. Now, he, he, Bud, to Bud's credit, he admitted, I shouldn't have pulled the starters. But even after that, <laughs> the starters didn't help us any. Yeah, It was it was a lucky pass. I, I'm going to say it's a lucky pass. You could have called him for traveling and that ball to Grayson, okay? And, and for the guy that caused us to go to overtime, he did win it for us. So I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, don't get Dre Crowder for, for Grayson Allen. I'm not so sure now. We need something different. We need a kick in the butt. That's what we need. I, I mean, I, you can't keep playing. You can't keep playing that, okay, we're playing for position. If you don't get that second seed, it's going to be really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah, we Sorry. are. Uh, I, I, get, I get so emotional involved with this. But. <laughs> no, uh, Sorry. <laughs> no problem, Dick. We're in agreement there. Um, All right. We'll check in with you again later. Um, yeah, to me, the two seed is still important, but I agree that this team they, it needs something. And it, it that isn't me advocating for, hey, you got to make a big trade to blow things up or to bring in somebody else. But there's something that needs to be done because they have just. We've kind of seen a malaise set over this team for a couple of weeks now. And so much went into those first nine games of the season really out of necessity that you didn't have so much on your team. You didn't have Chris. You didn't have Pat Connaughton. You didn't have Joe Ingles. And that do- that defense was so dominant because they knew they had to be dominant. That's how they were going to win games. What we've seen basically from December on is the Bucks turning to Giannis and saying, take us home. You're the best player in the league. You're the best player on the team. 
we need you to carry us here. And that's what you've seen happen because, you know, you talk about the defense and what was the defense. To Dick's point, it, it wasn't a great defensive performance from the Charlotte Hornets. The numbers are a little misleading here. When you look at what their defensive rating for the game was, when you look at the fact that they held the Bucks to 109 points, that they held Giannis to single figures, it wasn't their defense that was doing it. It, it was a lot of self-inflicted plays by the Bucks, and it was hustle plays from the Charlotte Hornets. To me, you saw enough signs early to really be concerned with this game, with the way the Bucks approached it. Think about all the loose balls that the Hornets got. We talked about the offensive rebounds and how they, they converted basically every time they got an offensive rebound. The Bucks should never lose on the glass, especially to teams like the Charlotte Hornets. When you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis on the floor, you got Drew Holiday back, who is an incredible rebounding guard. You should not be losing on the glass. This is the same team that had 72 rebounds Wednesday night against the all-length Toronto Raptors team. You should not be dominated like you were against the Charlotte Hornets on the glass, and especially not against Mason Plumlee. And there was just too many plays where the Bucks were just kind of waiting for somebody to do something rather than being the player to do something. On the offensive glass, the Hornets getting the offensive boards because the Bucks were waiting for a rebound to come to them. You saw that early in this game. That's what allowed the Hornets to get some of those points. The live ball turnovers. It's not that the Hornets played bad. This wasn't a great defensive scheme by any means. This was just self-inflicted problems from the Bucks and the Hornets capitalizing on all of those opportunities that the Bucks gave them. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Speaking of defense, there are some things that we did see with this defense in the game tonight, and it's centered around Brooke Lopez. And really, you know, there's a lot of things that we've seen in the last couple of weeks that take you back to the 2021 season when the Bucks eventually won the NBA championship. But just as we're going through now, there were moments along the way when you had that five-game losing streak, when you had some ugly performances, when you had a bad loss against this same Charlotte Hornets team, that same night LaMelo Ball hit eight three-pointers. That season, you saw a lot of these things start to pop up, and there was a lot of concern over, well, what is the ceiling for this team? We saw how that ended and how that worked out, but there was another conversation that took place a lot that season, and it's kind of starting to pop back up now, revolving around the Bucks big man. We'll get into that after this on Bucks Talk. One thirty-eight to one hundred nine. That's the score. The one thirty-eight belongs to the Charlotte Hornets, who come to town and really dismantle the Bucks. You returned home. You were relatively healthy. We're still waiting on the return of Chris Middleton. We'll get to some of those comments from Coach Budenholzer prior to the game. Um, but look, the issues that we've seen for this team remain to be fairly consistent. They still have a problem turning the ball over. On Wednesday night in Toronto, you had the most turnovers in an NBA game this season. Turnovers have been a big, big issue for this team really since the midpoint of December. The five-game road trip that we referenced during that trip, 
the Bucks average more than 17 turnovers a game, closer to 18 a game. That is not good. That is the second most in the NBA during that stretch. For the season as a whole, up to that point, the Bucks were at around 15 turnovers per game. But in the last few games, the amount of turnovers that we've seen, 28 that they had against the uh, Raptors on Wednesday, the most in an NBA game this season, and it belongs to your Bucks. 32 points that the Raptors scored off of those turnovers, but that's really the big thing. When we talk about give credit to the Hornets for taking advantage, it was a lot of self-inflicted issues in this game from the Bucks. But the Hornets capitalized on all those opportunities that they got. You turned it over 28 times in Toronto, and the Raptors turned those into 32 points. That's right in line with what you typically see in an NBA game. One-to-one turnover-to-points-off-of-turnovers ratio is typically the norm. When you think about it, for the most part, you're getting two points per possession. You're not necessarily going to score every time the opponent turns the ball over. You turn it over yourself. You miss a shot. 28 turnovers, which resulted in 32 points on Wednesday. 17 turnovers tonight. So all things considered, I guess you did a pretty good job taking care of the basketball considering the recent stretch of play we've seen from the Bucks. But 17 turnovers turned into 35 points. Unheard of how efficient the Raptors, or excuse me, the Hornets were on those second chances. And the other one that just jumps off the page, 13 offensive rebounds for the Hornets, 24 points off of those. That is another number where you're scoring every single time you get an offensive rebound, and that is not necessarily the case. Let's go back to that Raptors game. Let's look at this game. The Bucks had 12 offensive turnovers, one fewer offensive rebounds, one fewer than the Hornets. They scored 11 points off of those. The Hornets scored 13 more points on one more offensive rebound. On Wednesday, the Raptors had 14 offensive rebounds. One more than the Hornets had tonight, and they scored 10 points. The Bucks had 13 offensive rebounds on Wednesday and scored 6. Those two numbers are eye-popping and just jump off the page what the Hornets were able to do with those second chances, with turnovers and offensive rebounds. You give credit to the Hornets, but also that's a big problem. Number one, that we're continuing to have this turnover discussion, and number two, the Bucks' defense was just nowhere to be found. They gave up easy looks. They gave up way too many offensive rebounds, as we mentioned, to a team you should dominate on the glass. This is not a Charlotte Hornets team that is going to be confused with one of the best rebounding teams in the league. The Charlotte Hornets came into this game 18th in rebounding rate, 18th in the NBA in rebounding rate, and offensive rebounds where the Hornets made their living tonight, they were 11th, just beneath the Bucks. They dominated, and it was Mason Plumlee that did that. We've seen the Bucks continue to have these issues with teams that play at a fast pace. And look, this is a veteran team. This is an older group. And this is a group that I think we've seen the last two-plus years understands the importance of being at your best in the postseason. I do think that's a part of it. I don't think it's the total story. 
But as I mentioned at the top, I'm not saying, look, everything is fine. There's nothing to clean up. There's nothing to fix. Everything is going to be fine once Chris Middleton comes back. Don't worry about it. It's a big part. It doesn't explain all of it. But it's also very, very tough to say this is a big, big problem and the sky is falling when we've seen literally every single team in the league go through moments like this this season, even the Boston Celtics. Every single team in the East, they've had these moments. The teams at this level, maybe not the Cleveland Cavaliers. They may be the most consistent team we've seen in the, in the East so far this season. They're a game back of the Bucks, or tied with the Bucks, and not with the tiebreaker. But for the most part, Celtics are in it right now. For all the talk of what's wrong with the Bucks since their nine and nine start, Celtics started eighteen and four, nine and eight since then. They just lost by 33 to the Thunder, who, by the way, were playing without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Hornets are a bad team. I get that. But you lose by 33 to a mediocre team that's playing without the fourth-leading scorer in the league and, frankly, the only offensive option on the team. I mean, that's a bad stretch, too. The Nets already have their bad stretch. The Sixers have had a bad stretch. The Bucks are in a bad stretch now. Chris Middleton isn't the elixir. He doesn't change all of that. Changes some of it, but really, it's what we talked about for guys like Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen and how much the presence of Chris Middleton changes things. Joe Ingles, you've started to see get more and more comfortable, but some of those Joe Ingles games have started to disappear. When you're losing like this, you didn't play him in Toronto because it was back-to-back. He was kind of starting to get into a groove, and then you have some of these performances. I think what we've learned from this team or about this team is it's going to take time. I don't think they're as bad as losing by 29 points at home to the Charlotte Hornets. At this point, they're probably, it's safe to say, they're not as good as a 9-0 start to the season. The truth lies somewhere in the middle, and we're just going to take a little bit more time to figure out who this team is. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk when we return should be a no-brainer once again, but we'll reveal who the sub of the game was next on Bucks Talk. All right, uh, taking a, a deeper look here at the turnovers because it, there's one word we've uttered the most on this show the last couple of weeks. It has been turnovers. And, uh, you know, you were fine tonight. 17 turnovers, right in line with the season average. The Bucks are just under 16 a game. But if we go back to the start of the five-game road trip, from that point forward, it's a 10-game sample size. The Bucks are averaging 18 turnovers a game. So this dates all the way back to December 18th, one week before Christmas, it included that entire road trip in New Orleans, in Cleveland, in Brooklyn, in Boston, in Chicago, the Timberwolves game, the two games against the Wizards, the horrendous 28 turnover game in Toronto on Wednesday, and now tonight's game. So 10 games we're looking at. The Bucks in that stretch are averaging 18 turnovers per game. I think you can guess where that ranks in the NBA. It is dead last. And you got teams coming up that don't turn the ball over. 
The Toronto Raptors you just played during that same stretch, third fewest turnovers in the league. The Miami Heat, who you will have two games against next week, fourth fewest turnovers in the league during that stretch. The New York Knicks, who you will play on Monday night, the fifth fewest turnovers during that stretch. And even this Hornets team does a good job protecting the ball recently. So you just can't give away the points like the Bucks have. But what is most astounding to me is when you look at the turnover numbers here, and again, those last 10 games, that matches the eyeball test. Nobody would be surprised to hear, hey, did you know the Bucks have the most turnovers in the league in the last 10 games? Not surprising, but... The eyeball test would seem to tell you when the Bucks lose, man, they, they look really bad offensively. And there's a lot of sloppy play with the ball. You would assume the Bucks would be worst in the league in turnovers and losses. They're not. 16 turnovers per game in losses, but it's still the fifth worst in the NBA. It's right in line, though, with what they're averaging, and that's the problem. You're averaging 16 turnovers a game in losses, and that total number for the Bucks, just under 16. 15.9 in losses, 15.7 overall. You have far fewer losses than wins. And the numbers are that close. That's the problem. That this is just kind of who you are. And you're winning these games because Giannis is simply incredible and you're waiting to get a big offensive performance or a big shooting game. You've got to clean up those turnovers. And, and again, I mentioned this a couple of times during the game. We've seen this a, a couple of games in a row now where the Bucks just kind of seem to fall into this trap of getting into a three-point shootout. And you got to take some of those. Giannis took a few more tonight, didn't make any of them. I'm fine with Giannis taking two threes a game. The open looks for Pat Connaughton, for Bobby Portis, for Grayson Allen, you got to take those. If Brooke Lopez has an open three, you got to take those. But there was just too many possessions tonight, and all too recently, since December really, too many possessions where we see the Bucks come down the floor, one guy touches it, maybe two, maybe there's one pass, and a three goes up. And tonight, against a team that plays at a high pace, and against a team tonight that was doing a really good job on the glass, you are playing with fire. Because if you're missing those threes, you are kick-starting their transition, and they're already three-quarters of the way down the floor before you know it, back there getting transition points. That's a big reason, too, why we didn't see a lot of playing time from Brooke Lopez in this game. And, and as I mentioned, a lot of these conversations we're having now, we did this two years ago. So it's kind of the good news, bad news. Bad news is they looked as bad as you could tonight. The good news is... It, We've been through this, and we have this conversation. Doesn't mean you want to keep having it. Sooner or later, you got to see some turnaround here. But we went through a lot of these same conversations. And tonight was kind of a throwback to 2021 because it was one of those, uh, I don't know, can you keep Brooke Lopez on the floor here? He played 19 minutes tonight. And granted, nobody played heavy minutes. You were getting blown out. Pat Connaughton played 16. Giannis and Grayson each played 22. Drew also played 19 but Burke Lopez, for large swatches of this game, was off the floor early in this game because the Hornets were kind of running him off the floor. And they were getting those transition kickstarts with missed threes, getting out on the fast break, 
playing like that to get Brooke off the floor, and that's why they got these open looks. When Brooke Lopez was off the floor, the Hornets were moving the ball. The Hornets had all these secondary actions. They had cutters and guys moving, and that's another area It's just been stagnant for the Bucks offensively. There's just been way too much. Tonight's not a great example because he wasn't good offensively. But this season, there's just been way too much watching Giannis. Not a whole lot of movement. Guys just kind of sitting out there waiting. I understand that's part of the offense, and you want to play four out with Giannis. I get that. But you have to have some type of movement to not let the defense get set, and that's just what we saw tonight. But with Brooke Lopez off the floor, all those extra moves, all those secondary actions, the cuts that the Hornets were making, there's nobody protecting the rim. And especially in the first half, the telltale sign was when Terry Rozier heated up, the Bucks were paying a lot of attention to him. And there was two sequences where the Hornets are running a screen at the top of the key. Giannis is the guy that's stepping out to defend Terry Rozier because they were that concerned with Terry Rozier shooting. Brooke Lopez is already off the floor. The middle of the lane is wide open for the Hornets, and there is just too much of that tonight. And it seems like the last handful of games, we've seen the other conversation rear its head once again. How do you beat this defense? Well, floaters and mid-range. That's how the Hornets were beating Brooke Lopez tonight. Two ways. Those mid-range kind of floaters. And you just go with a secondary action. You, you go with a pump fake. You don't go up the first time. That's when Brooke Lopez gets you. Just make him keep moving, and that's where you get him. That's what the Hornets did tonight. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage talking text line. We'll get caught up here on breaks. When we return, we'll reveal the sub of the game. I think you all know who it is, but we'll reveal who had the biggest impact off the bench for the Bucks? And take a look at this New York Knicks opponent because both teams are getting two days off. Knicks have won four in a row. Knicks are another one of those teams. Looked really bad early in the season. Now they're playing well. We've seen that a lot, not just in the East, all across basketball. There's a lot of parity this season. And look, I said at the start of the year, Bucks and the Celtics are on a different level from every other team. I think we all believe that. But as we've gone further and further into the season, you're seeing a lot of these teams are right around the same. There is just a lot of talent in this league, and those offensive numbers speak to that more than anything. We'll preview the Knicks matchup and reveal the sub of the game after this on Bucks Talk. 138-109, final score. Hornets beat the Bucks by 29 points tonight at Pfizer Forum. Giannis played, Drew Holiday played, Joe Ingles played. It, it wasn't a part two of what we saw on New Year's Day. This was just a bad, bad performance from the Bucks, and credit to the Hornets for their execution tonight. Uh, an ugly loss at the hands of the Charlotte Hornets. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Uh, kept teasing it, but time now to reveal the biggest impact off the bench. It is time for the sub of the game. The bench mob was hungry, and someone ate. Who was it? Tonight's sub of the game is... Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's Bobby Portis. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, his 24th double-double of the season, third most in the NBA, and the most on the Bucks. Bobby Portis starting to come into his own once again and, uh, and be that same version of Bobby Portis that we saw for most of the last two years. Tonight, Bobby Portis is your sub of the game, again, with his 24th double-double of the season. So, 
Turnovers are the biggest thing to keep an eye on. And again, you know, having more ball handlers and shot creators on the floor is going to change a lot with this offense. Now, the offense continues to be mediocre at best. And it's something that we kind of primed you for before the season began. When we knew no Chris Middleton at the start, no Joe Ingles at the start of things. If we're being honest, we saw this offense fall off a cliff in the semifinal series against the Boston Celtics last year. So knowing that most of the personnel is the same, and I get Celtics were a historically great defense, but still, most of the personnel grouping is the same. It's probably not going to be great. You're going to have to win with your defense. That's what the Bucks did early in the season. Still have the third-best defense by way of uh, defensive rating in the league this season, but what's become troubling is you know they were still near the top in net rating for most of the first month and a half. They're currently 12th in net rating, 1.2, because the offensive rating has gone from in the middle to currently fifth worst in basketball. For the season as a whole, the Bucks are 26th in offensive rating at 110.5. The median is about 112, 113, I'll say. League average, 113-ish. And the Bucks are at 110. Chris Middleton's going to improve that. Your offense is going to get a boost when he's on the floor. Your half-court offense especially. But it's not just wait till Chris gets back and everything changes. There are some things you need to address. You can't turn the ball over. and You've got to find more of a system offensively. Maybe Chris Middleton's addition makes the offense that much better. But I think if we're being realistic, the ceiling for this offense and the way it's constructed, we always known this is a defensive team. That's how they won the title. Your offensive ceiling is probably 10 to 12. In a great year, if everything falls into place, you can push the top 10 in offense. But 26th. I understand there's been a lot of issues. There's been a lot of injuries that this team has dealt with. But 26th in offensive rating. They finished last season with an offensive rating that was third. You can't be 26. Last season they went through their share of issues. They had those injuries. Obviously, Brooke Lopez was the biggest, but you had stretches without Chris, without Drew, without Giannis. And you still have the third-best offense. You can't be 26. That is the biggest number to circle and keep an eye on. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight. Still a couple of minutes left on the program. Very, very disappointing loss tonight. 29-point home loss at the hands of the Charlotte Hornets. We will take a look at what's up next, a four-game road trip. It starts Monday night in New York. Who are these Knicks? It's been a while since we've seen them. We'll preview the matchup after this on Bucks Talk. 29-point home loss at the hands of the Charlotte Hornets. Bucks stung by the Hornets, I guess you could say, here inside of Fiserv Forum. Just an ugly performance all around, and the Hornets capitalize on turnovers and offensive rebounding in this impressive win for a Charlotte Hornets team that entered this game 
with the worst record in the Eastern Conference. So up next for the Bucks, it is a much different opponent. A New York Knicks team that is currently sixth in the East. And spent some time recently talking about the differences between the January schedule and the December schedule. December was 15 games, 10 of them were on the road. January, you got more home games than road games. And also, within that December schedule, you had the Memphis Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Nets, the Celtics, the Cavs. It was just chock full of teams that were in the top four in their respective conference. That is not the case in January. Of these games on the January schedule, you're going to play three teams that are in the top six. And these New York Knicks now, I suppose, make it four as they were outside of that mix when we counted up these games. But you got a lot of opponents like the Knicks hovering around that playoff line. But it's a Knicks team that's playing well of late. They've won four in a row. That defense is starting to come back under Tom Thibodeau. And Jalen Brunson has really been an igniter for that team. So it's not as though the Bucks are playing the worst teams in the league. They will have their work cut out for them on Monday night. But you just got to start to piece together not just wins. you got to start to piece together some performances where there are minimal miscues and mistakes and you feel good about what you're seeing. Because right now... The Bucks have put together wins, but you leave those games thinking, well, we, we were kind of playing with fire. Things could have gone a little differently here. Or if it wasn't for a big performance from Giannis, statistically this doesn't really add up. So that's the biggest thing you look for the Bucks to turn around here starting Monday in New York as they begin this four-game road trip. We'll wrap up the show after this on Bucks Talk. 109 final score here. The Charlotte Hornets take down the Bucks. Uh, the Celtics won last night. Remember, we said after the, after the Raptors game, hey, Celtics played last night against the Dallas Mavericks, and you got those lowly Hornets coming to town on Friday. So if all goes well, we could wake up Saturday morning with the Bucks once again in first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but alas, the Celtics remain in top, atop the East at 27-12. and 12. Brooklyn Nets once again in second at 26-13. and 13. And look, for as much negative as, as we've been dwelling on the past 60 minutes, you are still two games out of first place. You haven't had Chris Middleton for all intents and purposes for the entire season. You've had Pat Connaughton for only roughly half the games you've played it. Even fewer than that for Joe Ingles. You're two games out of first place and in third place in the Eastern Conference. I do expect this team to look much different as you get into February and onward if for no other reason than we've seen the same thing in each of the last two seasons. This team has gotten better as it gets closer to the playoffs. You just hope you can start to piece together some better performances and and build those habits again because we frankly haven't seen those types of habits in Bucks play. I'm not going to jump to any broad conclusions and drastic, well, the Bucks need a big trade or they need to do this. It's still very early, and a lot of teams are going through this now. But you want to start to build up some of those habits and piece together some of those types of performances that we did not see tonight. Monday night in New York, it's the start of a four-game road trip. Bucks and the Knicks, 6.30 tip-off. We'll have Bucks talk immediately afterwards on these airwaves. My thanks to Justin Pottinger and Chris Larson for producing the show. We'll talk to you Monday night with more Bucks talk.